0: Can anybody identify with that guy, right? I know I can. You know, when I was growing up, I, my, my parents never like, taught me like, finance stuff, never sat me down and said, let's talk about money. But I picked stuff up nonetheless, right? And I didn't realize how much I'd picked up until I started my own family. See, a couple of money rules I picked up growing up. Number one was this. We were poor. And I knew that because every time I would ask for anything, my parents would say, we don't have money for that right? No matter, 364 days a year, whatever I would ask for, the same response would be, we don't have money for that, except one day a year. One day a year, we did have money for that. That was Christmas. That we would walk out Christmas morning, and under the tree was this wondrous mountain of gifts. And so 364, no money, one day, wondrous mountain of gifts. And so without even realizing that, I just kind of absorbed that as the norm of what it looks like. And so I grew up, started my own family, had my own kids. And that whole 364 thing about being poor, that part was easy. Like we nailed that. Like we stuck the landing, man. We were like, we were poor. 364 just like owned it because, you know, we are young and, you know, groceries and diapers and everything else, right? But that whole Christmas palooza thing that whole one wondrous mountain of gifts day, that was tough for us. We, we didn't know how to figure that out until our credit got better, and then we started getting credit cards, and it's like, that's awesome. We can buy Christmas, and then we just can try to you know, pay it off throughout the year, which we didn't do, but we did buy Christmas, and each year, we kind of would add more to it, and each year, it got, Christmas got a little wider, like it, it came to the point where we would go shopping like on Black Friday, right? Because that's where you get the deals. And we were, got up early and we worked hard and we got great deals, but man, we should grab some lunch. You know, we don't want to break our stride. We're saving all kinds of money. Yeah, we need to get some lunch, but we don't have money for that. Well, we kind of do because technically, isn't it Christmas lunch? I mean, we're buying presents, right? Yeah, we can put that on the Christmas credit card. Great. And while we're driving, man, gas tanks getting a little bit low. I don't know if we're going to make it till next pay period. Well, technically, aren't we using this gas to buy Christmas presents? It goes on the Christmas card, right? And so we just kept adding to that and adding to that. And then it began to leak into other areas of our life. The car would break down. Put it on the credit card. We'd have to doctor's appointment and doctor stuff and put it on the credit card. You know, special projects at school, put it on the credit card. And, and they just kept sending us more cards because our credit was great because we were making that minimum payment faithfully all the time. It just kept going up. And pretty soon, man, we had such great credit. We could buy cars and, well, not buy them, but we could lease and finance. We could finance cars. And, and things were going really well for us. And, you know, we just continued to kind of live beyond, beyond um, and then just things kept piling up and up. And then all of a sudden the economy is booming, right? Our house that we paid you know, a certain amount for it was now worth double. Well, we should get a HELOC. We should get like a, a loan attached to that because it's like no risk. Once we pay off the house or once we sell the house and it comes all back. And so we, we get a HELOC and that just allows our credit to get even, even further. And then add to that a major medical event. And the crash of 2008, and we were devastated. Somehow, we woke up one morning owing $125,000, not including our house. Now, many people, many people in America came out of 2008 kind of like that. Just that rude awakening with all this debt. And you would think that, that we've learned, right? Not so much. That is, as, as American people, we've actually not changed that much. I just read an article just this past month that as of this last month, the American people, we have officially crossed the threshold that we owe more now than we did right before the 2008 recession. That we've managed to accumulate all this debt right back. See, debt is part of our lives. It seems like a regular part of our culture. And so that's what we're going to talk about today as we continue week two of the Spence series. I'm going to dive us into an Old Testament narrative here in just a minute because I think that will help us kind of frame the conversation and begin to figure out some steps to move beyond debt. Now, if you arrive here today not having that problem, not having financial issues, not having debt be an issue, then I believe that even though that may not be your issue, if you are open to what God wants to say to you here today, I believe he can speak to your circumstances as well. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and open up to 2 Kings chapter 4. If you've, got your, your, uh, your applica- if you've got your apps or you've got your phone, just go ahead and pull it up to 2 Kings chapter 4. Let me give you a little bit of background as we're going in. Many of you know King David, right? He was a great king of Israel, led well, people loved him, God loved him, did a really good job. About 150 years after King David, things went bad. The kingdom itself is divided, a lot of infighting. People are turned away from God. They turn turned to false idols. So God sends his man, Elijah, as a prophet of God, to turn people around. And Elijah was hardcore. Elijah was one of those turn or burn guys, right? He would get in people's faces and try to get them to change. And sure enough, he actually had a little bit of success. That the people of Israel began to turn back to God more. But after a while, Elijah was old and he was tired, and so he passed the mantle to another prophet named Elisha. So Elijah passed to Elisha. Elisha was a kinder, gentler prophet. He was more kind of pastoral. And one of the things that Elisha did was he traveled in like a, a, what they called a company of prophets. He, he, he was kind of the leader of a school of prophets with a bunch of junior prophets following him around everywhere he went. And that's what's going on as we t- open up the story in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets, the school prophets, cried out to Elisha, "Your servant, my husband, is dead." And you know that He revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves." See that's something that actually happened. In this culture, if you couldn't pay your debt back, then what you would have to do is you would basically put yourself into slavery, into servitude to try to pay the debt down. Well, these creditors didn't want this old woman. They wanted her boys. And so they were coming to take her boys to pay her husband's debt. And see, it's bad enough that she had the fear of what's going to happen to her boys and are they going to be okay as they basically get taken into slavery. But even worse than that, see, she didn't have Social Security. She didn't have a retirement program. She had her boys. That's it. And so once her boys were gone, all of her safety, all of her security, all of her provision would be removed. She would live a... Hard, short life. Now, many of you know the pain of carrying debt, right? And the worry and the fear that's attached to wondering how you're going to make it. You know, I know for my wife and I, too many times I remember being up at, you know, 3 a.m. thinking, man, we got way too much month left from this pay period. And trying to figure out how are we going to make it. I don't even know how we're going to get through the end of the month. And then the refrigerator starts to make that noise. And you're like, oh, no. Or you get a nail in your tire. You take your tire in to get it plugged. And they go, we can't plug this. You need two new tires. Oh, no. Or it's the first week of school and your kid shows up with the list of the $937 worth of stuff, apparently, that I have to personally purchase for that classroom. Oh, no. And this woman was carrying the, the burden, this weight, all by herself trying to figure out what she was going to do. And so she goes to this prophet and she cries out to him. It says, "Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house?" "Your servant has nothing there at all," she said, "except a small jar of olive oil." And in foot fact what they're talking about really just a small uh, flask maybe, a, a vial, a little vase of olive oil. And olive oil in this culture is a commodity. It's, it's, it's like money, something that she could sell or trade for the goods that she needed to provide for her family. And so she's, all, she's like, I don't have nothing, just this little bit. Elisha said, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. He says, get a, get a bunch of jars from your neighbor. And when I read this in preparation for this message, you know the first thing I thought is, someone who has experienced debt the first thing I thought is how embarrassing, right? Because isn't there a lot of shame around debt? You know, when we owe money, when, when we're poor, when we're not able to provide, you know, then, then we, we carry the shame. of. We don't want other people to know. We'll do everything we can to make sure people don't find out. But here this prophet was saying, go to your neighbors and let them know. Let them know about your debt. Let them know about how broke you are. That you don't even have a pot. So she does it. He says, Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her. I think too oftentimes when we're we're reading a narrative like this, we forget that we're talking about real people, that this is history. This is a flesh and blood person. And, and, and everyone in the Bible is not a saint. These are not all perfect people. These are people like you and I with fears and worries and doubts. And as I put myself in this woman's place, I think about that moment that she's in the, her room. The door is closed. Her sons are there. The pots are around. And she's got this little vial of oil. And this little vial would have represented what? Maybe a a week, two weeks of, of food and provision for her family. I mean, this was it. This was the last of it. And there was going to be this moment where she was about to turn this thing upside down into this giant pot that she'd collected. What was going to happen? In that moment, as that oil came out and lined the inside of that pot, it was just gone. There was no taking it back out and putting it back in. That if God did not show up in that moment, things were going to go from bad to terrifying. That while they thought they may have had a week or two left to try to sort things out, that day everything ends if this doesn't go well. So she has this vial of oil and she's looking at this pot and she tips it over and the last little bit of her security, her safety comes dribbling out into this pot. And then just dribbles a little bit more. And then pretty soon there's a bit of a stream. And that stream gets stronger. Then before too long, suddenly the pot is full. And she, so she says, hey, gra- grab me another pot, quick. And they bring another pot. And then before too long, that one's full. And then another one, and then another one, and then another one. And then another one. it says, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. By the time they were done, she had enough oil to pay her debt and to provide for the future of her son and herself, of her sons and herself. Here's the point. If you are in debt, what you need to do is to go to your neighbors and ask them for pots. <laughs> no, no, that's completely wrong. That's not what you do. I don't believe that this story is about, you know, the, the, the simple steps to get out of debt. But I do believe that in the story, there are spiritual truths that we absolutely can apply to get past our debt. And the first is this. The step one and so we need to recognize that debt is a spiritual issue. That debt is a spiritual issue. See, this is important because when, when my wife and I, when we came to this point where we had this huge debt and didn't know what we were going to do, we had this financial problem that we wanted to solve. And so, you know, Mark Graham mentioned earlier this idea of FPU, Financial Peace University. And so we went there, and we, and we took the classes, and we, and we saw everything. And we quickly became overwhelmed and discouraged because as we looked at our, at our financial situation, we said, we don't have resources to deal with this. And we didn't do anything. We were so overwhelmed, we were unable to move. See, but everything changed for us when we went from looking at it from, as a financial issue and began to consider that, in fact, it's a spiritual issue. This is what Jesus says in Matthew six twenty four. He says, no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And and that word money there is actually literally translated um, uh, confidence in wealth. That you cannot both claim to serve God and love God, but ultimately trust in your wealth or your credit or your own provision. And here's what I was faced to deal with. That I was forced to recognize that while I claimed to be a follower of Christ, the truth was when it came to my finances, I was acting as someone who didn't believe. I was acting, I was a practicing agnostic when it came to my finances. Shane shared last week that everything we have is God's and he shares it with us that we may provide for ourselves and for our families. But I didn't look at it that way. I looked at everything I had as needing to provide for my, me and my family and our needs. And the second thing is, although I would not have acknowledged this or recognized this, I was acting as if I was the only one watching out for me and my family. I was not considering God's involvement in this at all. I was a practicing agnostic and that that I denied the reality of God's involvement even in my finances. And here's the problem with that. Whenever you place your confidence in something else, whatever it is outside of God, you open yourself up for slavery to that thing. It's exactly in Proverbs 22.7. It says, The borrower is slave to the lender. And I know that many of you listening to this right now know this to be true, that there are things that you need to do, that you want to do, that you cannot do because of your debt, because of what you owe, because you are a slave to the lender. But here's the thing. For a follower of Jesus, it's even worse. Because here's the thing. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we are welcomed into God's family. And the thing is that when you are welcomed into God's family, you are invited into the family business. And God is in the business of bringing hope and healing across the planet. And what he does is he looks to those in his family to help him accomplish those goals. That he calls you to go where he calls you to go. To give where he calls you to give. And to serve where he calls you to serve. But if you are serving your debt, you cannot do that. See, here's the thing that we, ex- we experience. One of my daughters became a missionary. She became a midwife missionary. She travels with other missionaries around the world going into developing nations, into the poorest of the poor places to make sure that the women there can can have good environment to give birth to their babies and that they're cared for. That's what she does. She's a missionary. And you don't think as parents we want to support that? No, we want to be part of that. That's important work. That matters. But because of our debt, we couldn't give her anything towards that. How crazy is that? Think about it. Here's the thing. It finally finally dawned on me. We literally could not support our daughter, the missionary, because we were still paying off the furby about her for Christmas when she was eight. (laughs) Seriously. That's the situation we found ourselves in. Debt is a spiritual issue. Step number two, you need to ask for help. See, one of the things I appreciate about the widow is that, that she didn't let shame and fear isolate her. See, and that's that's our temptation, is that we let shame and fear isolate us. We don't want other people to know. And I want to speak with you whether you've got a debt or you've got another secret that you're holding on to. Here's the thing I want you to hear. That needs to come into the light. That for God to get his, his arms around it and to bring people around to help you, you've got to bring that into the light. You cannot live it in secret. That thing that you are holding is in fact holding you. You've got to bring that out. Ask for help from God and from other people. That's what my wife and I did. Finally, we said, we got to go public with this. We can't, we can't play it you know, un- under wraps anymore. We've got to let people know. And you know, first thing we did was had a family meeting, right? We let our family know. It's like, look, you know, we, we, we've made bad decisions. We've had some things happen outside of our control. The bottom line is that we are in this mountain of debt, and it's got to change. And so things are going to change dramatically around here. Christmas is going to start looking very different around here. We went to our friends. And said, we've not not been completely honest with you guys. We've been living as if this is a lifestyle that we can sustain and it's not. We've made bad decisions and we are determined that we are not going to stay here. We are determined that things are different, that God's got a plan for us. And we want to be part of that, so it's got to change. And so we let them know, man, our lifestyle is going to start changing dramatically. And then step number three, you've got to take a step of faith. You've got to move forward in faith. See, with God's involvement, that tiny vial of oil became a debt relief and retirement program. That as you're sitting there looking at, looking at your resources and looking at where you're at, you're like, there's no way I can do this. You're right. But it doesn't just depend on you and your resources. The Bible says that God can do more than we can ask or imagine. When we invite him into the solution, he brings his resources with him. But what he does is he asks us to take a step. He asks us to take that little vial of oil, whatever the little bit that we have, and we take a step of trust and of faith that he may show us his generosity. And so that's what we did. You know, we, we went to FPU a second time, you know, paid attention. Now that it's a spiritual issue, we understand it, we saw the thing. and So we just started working the plan, didn't know what it was going to look like or how we were going to get there. But we just started working this plan and the first thing we did was we stopped the bleeding. And we just determined, man, there's, we are not going back, we're not not going deeper in debt. We cut up our credit cards, Ramsey calls it plastic surgery, so we had a little plastic surgery. And then we made a budget, but not like an easy budget, like a real, real life budget that actually talks about all the real life expenses we had. We said it, it, it's, it's, it's time to quit pretending that we're surprised every year when Christmas shows up, right? It's time to quit pretending that we did not know that the car tags are due March of every year. We've got to start putting money away so that when that happens, we are prepared for it. So we got real honest, real quick, and then did our budget and got real depressed. when We recognized that we've got way more money going out than coming in. And so even after we began to chop down and, and, and simplify and you know, sell a car and everything, we were still didn't have enough to, to even meet what we were doing. And so you either need to reduce your, your debt or increase your income. And so uh, my wife, who was working a full-time job, got a part-time job, another 20-hour job. Now, before you think I'm a complete loser, here's the thing. I'm a pastor, and so it's kind of a 24-7 gig. It's hard to commit to something else. And so what I did was I took over the household, running the house, groceries, cooking, cleaning, you know, all that, the, you know, stuff we'd previously split. And so she worked her 20 hours. You know, I made sure that the house was all taken care of and everything was good. And we just committed, we are just going to do this for as long as we can. We don't know how long we can do it, but we're going to do it for as long as we can. And we took that side job of hers and, and used everything that she brought in to go after our debt. And the first thing we did was, as quickly as we could, we got a $1,000 emergency account set aside. So that when, when, when we need two new tires or you know, when the refrigerator makes that noise, you know, we're okay. We're not going to go back in debt. The next thing we did was we did a, um, a debt snowball. You know, when you guys came in today, you got that little, that little handout there. And really all that means is we took all of our debts and we lined them up biggest to smallest, made minimum payments on everything except for the smallest. We threw everything we had at that and just kept hitting it and month after month just just throwing everything we had until we finally paid that off. Then we went out and had dinner and celebrated and then got back on it and took everything we were applying to that and threw it at the next debt and the next debt. And then what that did was That took this $150 minimum payment and made it $250, made it $400. At one point, no lie, we were paying $2,500 a month towards one credit card. Just trying to snowball this bad boy, just going after it because we refused to stay where we were. And things would come up, man. It got, sometimes it just seemed like we're going to be doing this forever. And, and this went on for years, i got to be honest with you. Years, and it felt like it was going to go on forever. And, and things would try to sideline us like my father-in-law passed away in the middle of all this. And so we had to go back to Virginia and contend with that and figure all that out. But we refused. We were committed, you know, to stay on track and just keep plugging away at this thing. We just kept hammering it, refused to get set aside and set back. And finally, after years of of, of, of nailing this, of hammering it, and and selling cars and selling houses and doing everything we could, we finally overcame this $125,000 debt. We paid it all off. I cannot tell you the freedom, that sense of freedom, of lightness that comes from having that thing not hanging over your head. Whether it's a financial debt or some other secret or some other weight, when you get that thing from hanging over your head, suddenly you are free. And because this is a spiritual issue, I am free spiritually as well, not just financially. That you know, we've always done our best to, 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 to tithe and, and, and to do what we could there, but we are now in a position that we can be far more generous to this church than we ever were before because we believe in what God is doing here. I'm able to support my daughter, the missionary. You know, I'm actually able to give to her now and support other missionaries. That when, 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 pe- when God brings people into our view that, ne- that have needs, we can come alongside them in a way we never could before. And most importantly and wonderfully, man, we can spoil our grandchildren's in stupid and ridiculous ways that mostly just irritate um, our children a lot. Here's the thing if that widow had stayed in her house, just staring at that last little bit of oil, afraid and ashamed and overwhelmed. She never would have experienced just God's lavish grace and generosity and sufficiency in the midst of that. And I know that there are people listening to my voice today right now that feel that. They know what that's like, that you're hunkered down and you're just surviving and existing. You've got this secret, you've got this debt, you've got this burden and nobody else knows about it. And I'm telling you, man, that you were created for a purpose. That God has invited you into his family. He wants you to be part of the family business. And he has a plan for you. And it begins by stepping into freedom. And so here's here's what I want you to do. I want you to admit, first and foremost, that whatever this secret is, whatever this weight is that you're carrying, it's a spiritual issue. It's not just a financial or emotional or relational issue. It's a spiritual issue. It affects your ability to serve your God well, to be part of God's family. The second thing is you've got to ask for help. You've got to step out of the darkness into the light so that God can wrap his arms around you, can bring other people alongside you. He can bring his resources to bear on whatever it is that you're facing. And the third thing is you've just got to then take a step Take a step with what you've got. Move beyond the shadows where you're at and take action. This is a spiritual principle I've seen applied so many times throughout my life and my ministry, and it's this, that I have seen time and time again that just the smallest act of obedience on your part tends to yield this mountain of God's blessing. Because he's just waiting to be generous to you, to show you his love, but he asks that we take that small step towards freedom. That's what I want for each of us here today. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I just pray blessing over each person within the sound of my voice right now. They're right where they're at, Lord God, that you will bring to mind that thing, that spiritual issue that they need to be dealing with. And for many, it might be a financial issue and and they can go to FPU, they can do that or reach out to family and friends, take their steps. For others, it may be a spiritual or emotional issue where they just need to step out and they need to share it with somebody. They need to get honest with another person to come alongside them. And they need to be honest with you. Father, I pray over each person now that you will give them the courage and the will to decide that today is the last day that they, will be, that they will settle with slavery, that from this day forth they will not be content with anything less than freedom, and that you provide the means for them to get there. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.